Good morning, everybody. Pastor Paul here on a Thursday morning. It is August 17th, 2023. So glad that you've joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. We are working our way through Matthew's gospel. And this week, we are camped out in Matthew 9, 1 through 8. And the reason this passage is significant is that it is or has been building um, based upon a whole series of miracles that Jesus has been doing. Remember that he's at the height of his ministry popularity in Galilee. Throngs are following him. There's miracles, exorcisms, healings, supernatural sorts of things going on. Um, and it's drawn quite a crowd. But what Jesus does in this passage where he heals the paralytic is he's showing us that the miracles, the supernatural, these explosions of the kingdom of God onto the, onto the, the, the playing field of humanity, so to speak, all serve a larger purpose. They are meant to demonstrate the power, authority, and divinity of Jesus that he, in fact, is the king. He's not a king. He is not um, one answer on a multiple-choice test. He is the answer. He is the king. And by virtue of him being the king, this gives him authority to do something that's very important. In fact, it's the most important thing that can be done for any singular person in the history of humanity, and that is to have their sins forgiven. So let's read the passage, and let's continue to, to dive in. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Now, last time we were together, we camped out on the first of the three groups of people that Matthew describes in this passage. And of course, the first group are the paralytic and his friends. Then you have the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And then you have the crowds. And what we see here is that Jesus is not just doing miracles to do miracles. He's doing them to show his authority. His authority to do what? His authority, he tells us in this passage, to forgive sins. Now, we talked a lot about the paralytic last time and the fact that not only does Jesus heal him physically, but he heals him spiritually. He forgives him his sins. And I want to I want to touch on that just for a second as we continue to move forward in the passage. Not every time that Jesus heals does he forgive sins. In fact, we we most certainly could say um, just anecdotally, right, that that not every person that Jesus heals in fact 
has a saving relationship with him or has their sins forgiven. I think we used the example yesterday of, um, uh, or we actually we didn't use the example, but one, one example that does come to, come to mind this morning is that when Jesus had healed the man in John in the temple, um, that after healing him, Jesus has to warn him later in the day that he has to repent and stop sinning or else something worse will happen to him. So in other words, that's an example of a healing that doesn't have forgiveness of sins. What, what, what cues us into this idea of forgiveness here? Well, Matthew tells us it is their faith, okay? Now, it's certainly, re referencing here, their faith to have Jesus, that they believe that Jesus can heal them. But as we said last time, this is a, a faith that sees past their physical need and acknowledges their hopelessness and desperateness um, at the inner level, that, that this is them coming to Jesus, asking for healing, knowing that he can heal, believing in him that he can do what he says he's going to do. And Jesus says, that is not just a faith for me to heal you. It's a faith that is rooted in the knowledge of who I am and who, what I'm capable of and my power to save. And so faith is the, is the crucial element here. Now, what are we to make of the Pharisees in this passage? It's interesting, um, in verse 3, they, they do, of course, see to the heart of the issue. It says, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. This man is putting himself in the place of God. This man is saying something against the glory and honor of God. And on this point, um, they're making an accurate observation. Not, not everyone can forgive sins. In fact, no mere human can forgive sins, right? Jesus, I mean, or God, is the only one who can forgive sins. Now, while we can forgive one another for our transgressions against each other, um, we can forgive each other of horizontal sins, only God can ultimately acquit us. Only God can ultimately forgive us of sins committed against him. It's a reminder that sins committed against one another, they're, they're not less than horizontal, but they're more than horizontal, right? They're also sins committed against God. Only God can forgive those sorts of sins. And, and so what the Pharisees are essentially saying, wait a minute, who does this man think he is? He is forgiving sins. We know that that can't be true. That's blasphemy because this is a mere man. Now, that's their, that's their accusation. Jesus says something, though. In ver it's interesting, in verse 4, he says, But knowing their thoughts said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Now, that's an interesting statement because on one hand, you could say, Well, this is a reasonable question. This is a reasonable issue raised by the Pharisees. How can this man, on what basis does he say, forgive people, that he can forgive people of their sins? Why doesn't Jesus treat this question on their parts in good faith? Um, instead, it seems Jesus does the opposite. He, he in fact, says there, are, there is evil in their hearts. Now, how does Jesus know this? Well, verse 4, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he is God, Okay. And he obviously sees past their, um, their, their question and know that this is not a genuine question. This is, a, this is an accusation of a skeptic. 
And he, he refers to this as the evil that's in their hearts. Now, what exactly is this evil that Jesus is talking about? And I think there's two ways to think about this, okay? Number one, um, I think on a basic human level, these men were much more um, animated about the possibility of Jesus um, doing something he wasn't supposed to do theologically than they were about the condition of this man. Um, that, that here, this was quite the spectacle, them bringing this man in, them lowering him down through the roof, Mark and Luke tell us. And yet, um, this, it's almost as if the Pharisees are unmoved. They are not there um, to engage and to be to change to to observe, they're, they're they're sort of as detached observers. They're sitting in judgment, and Jesus detects this in their hearts. A second thing we need to understand is that this is not the first time the Pharisees uh, and leaders have witnessed Jesus doing healings. They knew all too well. In fact, Mark and Luke tell us that a contingent of leaders had come down from Jerusalem. That here you had a whole spectacle of religious leaders who were not there out of genuine curiosity. They were there looking for a way to accuse him. And so this statement, this man is blaspheming, is not offered in good faith. It's not a genuine question. In fact, it's a charge um, that goes to the heart of their unbelief. They had seen this man, Jesus, doing these things before, they knew full well that no mere man could do these things. And this is why Jesus says, this is ease, um, evil in your hearts. And then he has this interesting retort, okay? Look in verse six, or verse five. For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? I want you to think about this for a second. Which is easier for me to say? I could come up to you and say, your sins are forgiven. And there's really no, from just a purely experiential perspective, any way to evaluate that, right? There's, there, there's, it's, that, that's an e those are easy words. But if I were to come up you, to you and you were sick with a um, debilitating disease and you had a terminal illness and I said, you are healed, well, it's pretty easy to verify whether what I say is actually true or not is this person actually healed, right? It's, it's easily verifiable in a way that when, when we say your sins are forgiven, that, that, that's, much, that's a much more of a, of a um, you know, not as easily measured, okay? Because it's something internal. And so here's what Jesus is simply saying. Of course, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, but I'm gonna also say rise and walk. And by virtue of the fact that you can observe that this miracle takes place, this is what establishes my authority. By virtue of the fact that I have the power to heal, by observing that, you can know that I have the power to forgive sins because only God can heal, only God can forgive sins. That's Jesus's um, rationale here. And so what he's doing, he's exposing the unbelief in their hearts. He's exposing the evil. They are not there seeking, interested, open. They are there closed off, having made their decision, hearts completely impervious to the truth and what they were observing. 
And so here we have a contrast between the paralytic and his friends and these religious leaders. And Matthew is wanting to extenuate that for us to show that what is most important is, or what's most determinative of a person is not what's happening on the outside, but it's what's happening on the inside. It's the, it's the, the corruption of our hearts that need cleansing, forgiveness, and a savior. Now tomorrow, Friday, last day of the week, we're going to look at the third group of people, and these are, of course, the crowds. And um, there's something important for us to learn about them as well. All right, let me pray, and we'll jump into our day. Lord, again, we thank you for your word. It's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, remind us that you are not simply um, the person who helps us in our lives, make, takes away problems, makes things better, but you, in fact, have done the most important thing the most vital thing that could ever be done for anyone, and that is you have forgiven us of our sins because of Jesus Christ. He is not simply man, but he is God. He is the God-man, and we want to worship him and glorify him today. All right, um, Lord, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, thanks. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back here tomorrow, Friday, for our last Devo of the Week. It's been great being back with you guys after an extended hiatus. All right, we'll see you soon. Bye.